Mark Selby, Chair and CEO of Canada Nickel, uh, advancing the Crawford Nickel Project uh, and unlocking what we think is going to be uh, one of the world's great nickel districts uh, in, in and around the city of Timmins uh, in Ontario, Canada. So you're a nickel company. I, I was confused. I, I thought you might be a carbon credit company. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, after today's release. Yeah, so so very, very exciting. Um, you know, it's still lab scale work, but uh, the clear potential of it was, you know, very, very well demonstrated. Typically, um, these different ultramafic deposits, there are several companies that have been doing doing work on them, are really focused on the tailings after they've been deposited and, and, and looking at ways for those tailings to absorb more carbon uh, over time. We, we've been working with trying to get the carbon into the entire processing plant as early as possible because there's various benefits by having some of the rock uh, carbonated. And what we found is literally we take the tailings as they come out uh, of, of the flotation cells, we juice them with a little carbon for a short period of time. Uh, and within 36 hours, those tailings absorb enough carbon that we get to a net zero uh, carbon number. And within six days, you know, we're at the point where we're getting over 20 tons of CO2 credits per ton of nickel produced. Um, and so it, this is again, hours and days as opposed to the multiple months uh, that we're looking at previously, uh, trying to do it passively in the in, in the tailings area. Okay, let, let's talk about dollars. Okay, because you know yeah. people are hearing buzzwords like net zero and ESG and carbon credits and uh, all sorts of greenwashing of the industry, yeah. and are getting a little bit suspicious about, especially with the SEC going after a bunch of uh, of, of funds down in New York. Um, we want to know what's real and what's not. So you're you've talked the net zero game for eighteen months. 12, 12 months, 18 yeah. months with, with, with 18 us. Months, yeah. And this, this yeah. is you starting to deliver on that in, in, in another more um, seemingly more meaningful way. So to, to quote someone, uh, show me the money. How do you make yeah. money from this? Yeah, so at, in Canada right now, the government has a, this, a series of uh, carbon pricing uh, that's going to kick in. So right now it's $50 a ton and it's on its way by 2030 to $170 Canadian per ton of, of, of carbon. So if you take that roughly 21 tons of cr credits per ton of nickel, and assuming that we got the full value of that credit, um, you're looking at $3,500 a ton. Uh, you know, in terms of, you know, that's $120 million a year average life of mine and over $3 billion over the life of the project. So uh, again, we're talking, you know, very real numbers. And again, I, I find all the greenwashing very, very frustrating because for those projects like ours that can really, really get, really get to zero, not just kind of knocking a little bit of carbon uh, out of the mix, but because we're in Ontario, because we have access to low carbon electricity, uh, you know, we can design a mine that's relatively low carbon to start with. And then because it's hosted in this rock, that has this great property that spontaneously absorbs CO2, which we've now found a way to make it, make it happen much, 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 much more quickly. Um, you know, we're, we're on the track to be able to unlock those kinds of values. Okay. And we stick with the money side of things because there's, there's so many, so many places this can go because some of the numbers that, that are indicated in here, you know, in the billions of dollars potentially, I want to understand how, I do want to understand how it works. So, you originally started this process to try to get your own project into some kind of net zero shape. So you would yep. get credits from the government. Um, but you're now putting yourself in a position where you can actually generate actual cash, like money in. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. You, so there's, there's two ways to, you know, basically 
um, you know, th that will be the carbon price in, in, in Canada and, and we'll be able to, to tap into that, that pricing, uh, you know, with the appropriate market mechanisms that, you know, get set up uh, by that point in time. The, the, the key piece for us is, you know, we need a concentrated source of CO2. One of the challenges with the passive tailings approach is there's only 400 parts per million CO2 in the air. So you don't have a lot of CO2 around. So using a higher strength source of CO2 uh, into the process and so, you know, that may come from our downstream production. You could look to produce hydrogen um, by cracking uh, methane and you end up with a carbon stream that's there. Uh, there's a whole series uh, of different uh, types of industries that obviously generate a high CO2 stream. So, you know, one of the things we're going to be talking about with the governments here is really, you know, the fact that we've got Crawford, but we also have the other 42 square kilometers worth of ultramafic uh, rocks to go after. Um, that we should really start looking at Timmins, this, the Timmins area as, as a real zero carbon industrial cluster where you could use the uh, carbon capture potential of our rocks with the lo low carbon electricity that's available in this area, you know, to, to really sort of, you know, basically transform that, the economy of this area. Right. But I, I want to try to work out what, what's synthetic. I, you're, you're kind of creating a, a situation within the rules uh, of, of the, the current uh, legal framework that it, it kind of sits in. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it, it's not even legal yet, is it? It's uh, yeah. not quite there yet, but assuming, assuming it gets there. And, and what is it actually doing naturally, uh, the natural good that it does? Like you're saying there's only four parts per, was it per, per billion? Four, 400 parts per million. 400 parts, right. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. right. So that, okay. So that feels to me slightly more real than, you know, cracking hydrogen and, and doing whatever you're suggesting over yeah. here. So how do you play this so that it kind of sits ethically within this carbon credit market? Yeah. The, um, the key thing here is in terms of, you know, our downstream, you know, the, the most likely thing would be just taking our downstream production and taking the off gases as that gets converted and, and bringing that back. So, you know, not only, you know, can we be sort of class one and, and, um, uh, class two carbon neutral, but get all the way to where we're, we're in terms of a, a class three carbon neutrality. So, um, you know, that to me is, 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 is very, very, very exciting in an industry that has, again, nickel has a huge problem with the massive carbon footprint that all that production in Indonesia has today. So, you know, that this is something that the auto industry and, and generally most consumers today are, are pretty hungry for in the nickel space. Right. So, so give me what, class one, two and three, what are they? Yeah. The, the different, the different categories of, of carbon, so there's the carbon that's generated by your operation directly. There's the carbon that's generated from the um, the electricity sources that you use to feed your operation. And, the, and then the, the, the final category is the carbon that gets generated by the people who use that product in the next stage of transformation. So most people are, are just focused on getting to zero um, on, on those first two levels. But the fact that, you know, we think um, in, in this this process and then and, and our rocks uh, give us the ability to, you know to, to be able to, to, to look at, at being uh, you know carbon neutral at all three levels right and so okay so given this is basically you say taking advantage of the ultra rocks that you you've got other, other companies will be able to do the same thing pres presumably if yep. they want to um of a similar um or, or body uh, in nature um yeah what what's the process for you? What does it mean for you today? I mean, how do you, we understand the mining process? You, you go through your study phases, and 
you know, at the other end, hopefully comes a report which says, these are the economics, you get finance and off you go. With something like this, how, how do you go about factoring that into the mining component of what you're doing? Does it run alongside? Does it run separately? Are you the guys to do that? Will you bring someone else in? I mean, how does it work? Yeah, no, in terms of the, I mean, that's one of the things that's very exciting about this process is, is basically, um, you know, using sort of existing types of industrial processes that you would see in a mill. Um, you, you would basically just add some additional equipment. Um, and, you know, the thing we're going to be working on are ways, you know, we think there's a lot of potential to take that 36 hour zero mark and, and move it up even faster um, with with different levers that we're obviously going to be working on uh, over the next few months. But, you know, literally with, within the mill facility, you would just take those tailings um, and do a few extra steps uh, to those tailings as they m- make their way uh, to their, the final tailings uh, facility. Right. Okay. And, and you're sort of indicating that this is sort of like 10 times faster than, you know, pre, you know pre, previous passive tailing approach. But yeah. d- does that matter given the, the <laughs> lifetime that you're going to be doing this over in terms that you, you talked about having a very large asset, multi-generational, you know, you know, hundreds of millions of tons of, of rock we're talking about. D- does that matter or, or is it more about how much it captures? Uh, no, it, it really, fa- it, it really is both fast and, and the total amount because the fast part, you know, by if, if it happens quickly enough that you can actually, again, sort of build it into the mill processes, um, you know, that way it's it's very easy, very measurable, you know, very bankable, uh, you know, types of carbon credits. Uh, you know, again, you, you can still get there with with a passive approach, but again, it's, it's, it, it makes it very, very uh, a robust approach. If, you know, if you can inject CO, you measure, you know, in the, in the mill, you measure the carbon, you do the CO2 injection, you do some additional steps and you measure the carbon, you know, that comes out of the pipe before it heads off to the tailing and you can do that. You know, those are the kind of carbon credits, not planting trees or not taking trees down or not cooking pots in Africa. You know, these are real, very measurable carbon credits that are going to be very valuable going forward. Right. Okay. Well, let's talk about that because there, there's a kind of big kind of confusing market and that's a very nascent industry and lots of people doing lots of different things out yeah. there. It's going to be, the retail are going to be confused, but so is industry, quite frankly, yeah. because there's going to be different, I guess, grades and different yeah. people selling different solutions, some of which are going to be a little bit more realistic and honest than, than, than others. So wh- wh- where, does, where does yours sit in the mix? Yeah, again, with this, you know, effectively, you know, in process, uh, you know, in process tailings carbonation, we really think that, uh, you know, it, it should be in the high, absolute highest rank uh, of carbon credits. You know, as I said, you've got to start, <laughs> you've got an in process carbon measurement at the start, you do some activities, you have a, a carbon measurement uh, at the end, and, and you can very demonstrably, you know, uh, measure the carbon that's, that's been, been soaked up uh, during that process. Right, but how, how do you help the companies who want to buy carbon credits say this is the one? Have I have I got a deal for you? Because you, you, you looks like we're talking some big numbers over you know long periods of time, um, yeah. and I'm just trying to work out the bit how you make money. Not to how do you save your company money by getting tax credits for your own operation, but how do you then yeah. sell these things? Because you're miners, you're not carbon credit guys. So how does that work? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, again, you know, as the market evolves, you know, just like um, you see streaming of various metal productions, you're going to see streaming of carbon credits, uh, you know, which again, <laughs> I have I, I have a dream that, you know, we'll be able to finance a big portion of the equity uh, of this project, 
you know, from from a carbon credit stream sale in a few years um, when we get to that the uh, project financing piece. So um, yeah, th- there will be a number of buyers and a number of ways to to, to 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 monetize those particular carbon credit streams. But the the, the key fundamental and, and again, what's 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 great about this process is again having a very auditable, measurable, you know, amount of carbon capture that goes on. And so, you know, the, the thing that we'll have to do is because we need a concentrated strength stream of CO2 to be, to be able to make this process work, we'll obviously be sharing that value with whomever provides that uh, source of carbon. But again, given that it's a waste product for most uh, companies um, and, you know, um, you know, we'll be able to, uh, um, you know, it, 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 again, will be a pretty valuable uh uh, our plant will be a very valuable commodity to be able to, to take that CO two and, and permanently sequester it. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. It's one, one you know it's hard to work out whether that's a buyer's or a buyer or a seller's market. I, I guess that, that that will flip depending on where we are on the cycle at, at some point in the future. Um, but so just just on um, just in terms of the kind of want to come back to the sell. I'm trying to work out a number, right? So you've got a study coming out at the end of this yep. year, but you've got a PEA in place already. So based on the yep. PEA numbers. What are you talking about being able to produce potentially? Because that's going to help us work out a, a potential number on this thing. Yeah. So if if you come back to the Canadian carbon price of $170 a ton and 21 tons of credits per ton of nickel on average, you know, that's $3,500 a ton per ton of nickel or over $1.60 a pound. And that based on our life of mine production average, that's $120 million annually and $3 billion in terms of total revenue, uh, again, you know, being able to, to catch the carbon isn't going to be uh, free. So, you know, there will be some additional capital and operating costs that we'll work through and figure out what that looks like. And again, depending on, on where the source of CO two comes from, you know, we may have to share some of that value with the with the company that provides that CO two to us. Right, but you, you put out a uh, release um, in the last few weeks with regards to the resource update. So, every time you increase the resource, does that? have a positive impact on the carbon credits component, presumably? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at our PEA, you know, we had roughly 900 million tons uh, of material in, in a mine plan. Uh, you know, what our target for the feasibility study is we've been talking about having 1.3 to 1.8 billion tons, so 50 to 100% more. Yeah. So every one of those tons of work and, and 50 to 100% more nickel is going to end up with 50 to 100% more carbon credits on top of those numbers that I just quoted. Right. So okay. It's very, very sizable numbers. Okay. So you weren't kidding here with the, with the dollar. With this is why I'm always interested in the, do, in the dollar number that you've got to work out whether you can, the, one, the cost, kind of cost of sale component is presumably not that expensive, but the kind of um, increased capex component, what that looks like. But if you're talking about 120 million bucks annually for the next, well, life of mine, 3 billion bucks ish give or take uh over the life of mine that's a big chunk of change i wasn't i was, I was sort of you know sort of joking about this being a nickel company or rather carbon credit company with a, with a nickel byproduct but not really based on those numbers yeah no it's 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 getting to be you know <laughs> we yeah we won't be all the way there but no i mean carbon credits are going to be a very 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 big you know byproduct value for this operation and then there's a whole other chunk of value that we haven't even talked about is again you know being able to have a zero carbon product in the market you know those those products for a good period of time will be attracting fairly sizable premiums particularly in a, in a metal like nickel where you have uh, a, a huge amount of the global nickel supply comes with a massive carbon footprint associated with it you know so that's another chunk of value on top of what we just talked about and, and again you know the, the thing that I, uh, you know, people I don't think pay enough attention to is the fact that, you know, we think we've got another 20 targets in the Timmins area, 
right? We have 40 times the footprint for that that we've got for the 2 billion tons of, of, of resource that we just announced with Crawford. You know, we've got 40 times that footprint of material that we're going to be you know, spending time drilling uh, over the next few years to unlock that potential as well. So, you know, we really do uh, think that Timmins is going to be a big nickel district. And again, we think, you know, there's there's this real opportunity as one of the few places in the world where you have the intersection of low carbon electricity, infrastructure, and, and, a, and a sizable industrial population uh, to start with, and then a whole pile of ultramafic rocks sitting in and around this region that can capture you know, vast amounts of carbon. Do you think this changes the language between OEMs and mining operations? Because mining has been sort of seen very dirty, very kind of hit and miss, and perhaps something you don't necessarily want to be associated with. Does something like this change the type of conversation companies like you, because there will be others with similar host rocks, uh, that allows the automotive company, because permission for the automotive company to think about it a different a different way, because they do need to, we've talked about it multiple times on the on the energy show, uh, sorry, on the, on the battery show, is, which is um, the fact that people are trying to nail down their 2025, their 2030 supply chain, and it's getting, yeah. these are tighter markets. There's not a lot of big projects out there. Um, and, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars being spent by uh, the automotive companies to remove ICE engines from the system. Um, and I'm just intrigued because I think Tesla's talked that game. You've got a couple of the Japanese guys, talk, uh, sorry, the Chinese guys talking that game. Is, is your expectation perhaps to be have a different sort of conversation going forward? No, 100%. You know, we're, we're, one of the things we talk about with, with the mining industry and again with the whole EV chain, you know, no one gets too upset and, and fights a, an auto plant being built in the backyard. No one seems too upset if, if someone's going to build a precursor plant, you know, in, in their city. But again, you know, mining in so many parts of the world, you know, is, is seen as, as a real negative um, activity. And so, you know, when you can flip the dialogue to become the mining partner of choice, you know, which again, with our community First Nations relationships, you know, with with the way we've engaged, um, uh, you know, in, in the Timmins area, and then again with this, you know, ability, you know, to really have a meaningful impact on 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 carbon, you know, you know hopefully we can, you know, start that to flip that over, and, and again, you know, not, not only just for Crawford, but again, this type of nickel deposit, these ultramafic nickel deposits, FBX, Giga, you know, a bunch of the other ones uh, in British Columbia. You know, you know, I really believe that these deposits, given their ability to produce a zero carbon nickel product, it are going to be the nickel deposits that, you know, drive the next hundred years. Sudbury, Sudbury and a few big sulfides took us for the first hundred years. You know, the big laterite deposits in Indonesia got us through the last 20 years in terms of providing, uh, you know, nickel for the, all the stainless steel that China and the rest of Asia has been demanding. And, and I think this this next generation is is really going to be centered on these ultramafic nickel deposits, uh, and and uh, you know the, their ability to to have the potential that produces zero carbon product. Right. Okay. So so I want to, coming back to the numbers. You've had debates with me. You've had debates in, in the industry for a long time around. Well, these low grade projects just don't work. And you've explained it. You've converted mm-hmm. some people. You'll never convert others. They they want yep. their high grade nickel and. And you can argue the case, well, you, there's not much of it. And it's also quite expensive to get at. So yeah. net, 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 we're in the same place. You can argue that if you like, but you're never going to persuade anyone 
does the fact that generating a net carbon credit of $1.60-ish help that argument somewhat or does it negate that argument somewhat? Or, or quite frankly, how do you now look at look at nickel pricing in the market? Do, do you say, well, actually, tell you what, in a very meaningful way, this puts us as a bottom quartile, bottom decile uh, cost producer now. So there we go. How oh, yeah, I this? mean, if, if, yeah, no, if you can knock a dollar fifty or, or any portion of a dollar fifty pound off off your cost, and then you're going to earn a premium as well, you know, that's that's some serious incremental margin that we're talking about, you know, for the, those particular projects. And, and remember, right now, carbon capture, you know, that the, some, some of the, the work that's being done, you know, carb fix in Iceland is 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 one of the leaders in the space. And, you know, they've got they're working with Climeworks, who's basically taking CO2 at 400 parts per million, concentrating it into a high strength CO2. And 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 Carbfix basically has to drill, you know, has drilled holes deeper deep into the underneath Iceland, and is and is pumping this material in there uh, under pressure and temperature to be able to to get that reaction to happen. You know, the fact that all we're doing is taking a tailing stream that's been already ground up into very fine particles, uh, and taking advantage of that has a massive amount of surface area, and then injecting some CO two in at the at the right point in time, and then doing it doing a few steps that's a much simpler, cheaper process and takes advantage of a pile of work that's already being done on a material, right? So, um, yeah, no, it's just, just an inherently good thing to do. Right, so, you, so you're, you're reducing the cost at one end, charging a premium at the other, and whatever the nickel market does, um, it, 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 does it give you scope for, you know, uh, allowing bigger fluctuations in the price should that happen? I know the general thesis is that it's up, but... You know, the last last few weeks suggest that it's still going to be a little bit volatile, a volatile trip on the way up there. Does yeah. it, it does that, does that sort of change the types of conversations around funding as well that you may have? I know you've got a chunk of money in in the in the cash at, at, in the bank at the moment, but at some point you're going to need a, either a strategic to come on board, or you mm-hmm. say, well, actually, maybe this allows us a different sort of conversation with the institutional funds, the, the banks, et cetera, uh, and we can delay the need for bringing a strategic on board. So in terms of optionality, I guess, I'm trying to understand how you, what your thinking is. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the, the for us, you know, in, again, given the volume of carbon credits that we, you know, are looking now to be able to be able to generate, you know, that should be an attractive opportunity for anybody in the carbon space who's actually really serious, you know, when you look at some of the companies that have got created and their carbon streaming and their carbon, you know, offset programs or whatever, they, they get in some pretty nebulous territory. And so, you know, the fact that, you know, these types of credits are going to be available from this type of deposit and there's our, our multiple, you know, we, again, we've got multiple deposits in the areas and there's multiple opportunities. You know, again, if you're a private equity company that's, that's looking for ways to deploy capital into new ideas in the carbon space, I have to believe that you know um, we should be getting some 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 real interest from you know entirely different groups that we haven't talked to before. So um, we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens in the next few weeks here. Okay, okay. Um, well, like, and like like say you've got a bit of work to do. This is still large scale, right? So yep. you know you you got to yep. kind of go through the phase. So what what are those phases? What is the timeline? And presuming it's not sucking up too much of your cash. Yeah, yeah, no, no, these, I mean, again, the great thing is, you know, these are tailings that we're producing already as we do the metallurgy work. So, um, and they're relatively simple experiments, so we don't have to go through a lot of 
complicated capital and operating costs to get there. So yeah, no, we we think there's a number of enhance, enhancements to be able to 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 make this happen even even faster. Um, and so we'll be testing those uh, over the next several months. Uh, we'll based on the results of those those tests, we'll start to actually operationalize what what that carbon stream could look like. So, you know, there's, there may be three or four different types of carbon streams that could, could become available, um, you know, from an industrial partner uh, and then start to design, you know, the, the plant to be able to drop that in. I don't know if it'll make it into the base case feasibility study, um, but in the technical reports, there's chapter 24, we have an ability to talk about additional opportunities. Uh, and, you know, you know, that's something we'll be aiming for to be able to have, have, a, have a discussion about when the feasibility study comes out at the end of the year. Right. Okay. So feasibility so is the the big one because it's about yeah. it's about the nickel and 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 yeah. just um, just one this last question if you can deal with this for me yeah. okay which is yeah you know, you've got of the markets being a, a very erratic for for everyone at the moment Every, everyone's kind of come yeah. off nickel price has has come off copper's come off gold everything's come off right people are very nervous um at at, at the moment but industry isn't they are moving forward they are spending the money they are building plants they are getting yep. supply chains in, in in place they work in longer term cycles than perhaps re, you know us re, retail guys would they are confident about what's coming down the line and presumably like all cycles that this one or, or, you know um th- this one will, will you know come out the other side and then markets stop moving again but how real is the carbon credit component as part of your story going forward it's not because here's the thing that people say to us say oh it's just oh, it's just a kind of gimmick it's just a marketing gimmick for now the markets are quiet something to talk about um are they right or is this genuinely an integral part of your business model going forward it's an integral part of our business model going forward you know from from you know early on you know we we went out and trademarked net zero nickel cobalt iron because we realized early on Crawford is going to be a real project and, and given these ultramafic nickel deposits in a place like Ontario where you can design a mine to be relatively low carbon to start and have the rocks that soak up whatever uh, additional carbon uh, is required to get to zero um, you know it has been a focus from day one. And again, the, the, the great thing about this in-process carbonation is, again, the same kind of steps that you do to, to, to do your flotation, that you do in flotation in your mill to be able to, to liberate the nickel are the kind of steps that you would do to be able to inject the carbon. And so, you know, we think it's it's very, again, even though it's lab scale, we think it's, you know, uh, it should be re- readily uh, be able to be scaled up to an industrial um, process and, and without breaking the bank, um, you know, getting there. So, uh, you know, we're very, very, again, early days, but very, very, very excited about the potential of this. And there's a market for it. You're going to sell this. Like, like, who's buying this? Go on. Who's got the money? Why are they buying it? Uh, and why are you confident that it's a, sustain, a sustainable in, part of the industry? So, uh, again, you know, one of the leading commodity analyst houses is Macquarie. Last LME week, you know, they went through the exercise to figure out, okay, once the European Union starts putting carbon taxes in place on, on materials that come uh, be, that are imported uh, into the European Union, which is coming by the middle part of this decade, you know, they did the exercise to calculate, okay, what, the, what are those premiums going to look like? And for nickel, it was $2,000 a ton uh, premium. Um, and, and again, th- they didn't go through that exercise just because it's an a- academic exercise, you know. People who are in the market know carbon taxes, carbon prices are coming. And when that comes in a few years, 
you know, you are going to start to see real premiums emerge for low carbon, zero carbon products. Uh, and again, the European Union has a tradable carbon credit and you can see what those prices are and you see, you know, you, you can see where those prices uh, have been in the last few years. And, and again, it's real dollars that, that, that are on the table.